Welcome to the Ether. Today is Wednesday, April 27th, 2022. This episode of the Ether is brought to you by Orbital Command. Have you heard of TDX? Listen, Orbital Command is putting together the TerraDAP Expo on June 9th and 10th in Austin, Texas. Not Boston. I know, that's what I thought. Austin. Austin, Texas. Come get doxed IRL and share merriments with all of your favorite fellow lunatics and lunatics. For more information, go to TerraDapExpo.com or hit the menu item on the site right here on TerraSpaces.org. And as always, be sure to check out Orbital Command online at OrbitalCommand.io. TerraSpaces appreciates the support from all our sponsors. For more information, check out TerraSpaces.org slash sponsors. Today on the Ether, part two of a two-part Cosmonaut Bootcamp space, Taking all of your Cosmos questions and giving you Cosmos answers. Let's take a listen. Is it, why, why is it that every single Terra alt seems to have the same like chart towards the beginning? Do they all just have the same like tokenomics with vesting and, and, and investor lockups or like it? This conversation's come up a lot before. I don't know if you have any insights. I think some of it is like, it's almost like no matter what protocol you create, there's people that don't know what the hell's going on and they just simply throw money (laughs) at things, right? So then like the, then the, then there's these airdrops and people like, well, fuck, I got this airdrop. I'm just going to sell this thing and, you know, convert it to whatever. Have there been any Terra protocol, like any D apps or coins that have done an airdrop even kind of similar to how like Osmosis or Juno did it, where rather than like a trickle, they were just like, hey, you guys staked Luna. Here's more than 50% of our Genesis supply. You guys are our, like starting users. Like, is that kind of thing? Ever- I, I can't think of any protocols. I that don't think like so. That. I don't think so. And I don't know if that would work for a token like that might have worked for Juno and Osmo because they're so, their own Some of tank. the very early coins that released on Terra were just a just a disaster like they just yeah. literally they just pumped to infinity the minute they released because everyone sort of aped into it and then they got crushed uh a good example of that would have been like um nexus for example so insufficient liquidity at the start um has another set of problems right so the lock drop when yeah. you could literally get people buying the coin at prices that are just completely and absolutely utterly ridiculous. In fact, if you pull up the coin hall chart right now on uh, the on Nebula, you literally had people buy this thing at two dollars and forty cents, like at the price that it like opened at. And how do you know? Because there's like volume, there's a big volume bar at these ridiculous prices. Like people bought them and then sold them afterwards. What the hell? Like the entire, like, so yeah, yeah, there's definitely some lack of knowledge as far as like what the hell these things mean. Yeah, hey, that, that's a good, good reason. I wanted to just chime in and just get your 
idea, Sefi, as far as like, there's so many different protocols on Terra right now. I mean, there, there's, seems to me like there's going to be a lot of redundancy. And like, do you see, do you see like, and I know some of these protocols are cross chain too. It's like, um, I was looking on DeFi Llama here, like Lido and State Stater, like they're 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 branching off into other chains too. Is is all this stuff getting run through um, the just Terra's validators? Do you know? I mean, is is it going to clog up Terra's chain? Do you know? Uh, I don't think so. Um, Stater's cross chain situation is that they're doing they're like a staking solution for lots yeah. of different chains. Yeah. And the token, SD token, actually is not even on Terra, technically. It's on Ethereum. And they did that for, I don't remember what the reasoning was. I, I asked them about this, and they kind of covered it with me. Um, I forget the rationale. But anyway, the, the, the SD token that's on Terra, that you can actually stake on Terra, um, is just one version of this. So each uh, chain will have their version of the SD token, but it all is the same token from a valuation perspective. Like it all goes back to the token at some level. Okay. Yeah. So that's I, good. I was just thinking, it's like, there's so many protocols that are like launching. It's like, this can't all be just running through it. It's, it's hard to keep track of, but it's, um, it's fascinating. And, and I, I think, and actually there's not too much overlap. I'd say so far, um, you know, compared to a lot of other places, uh, mm -hmm. there's actually a lot of useful protocols so far. Like, Prism is interesting, and uh, mm -hmm. Astroport's really good. And actually, that leads me to a question I've had for a while now, Steffi. And honestly, I should just Google it right now. But like, is Luna like partly permissioned? Like, can anyone just build a D app on it? Because you don't no, seem to yeah. ever see that. Terra, yeah, you can. You can build whatever you want. Why yeah. have we never seen just like? I feel like every project that comes out. A, you're correct, doesn't have a lot of overlap. It's like they've actually coordinated and found niches. B, I think, has... I think it's because nobody knew about Terra initially, and a lot of the big-time players on the platform were people like GT and um, Delphi Digital and mm -hmm. these folks that really believed in it very, very early and spent serious development money spending like quite a while developing this shit long before it came out. And um, maybe some of the elements were also that like Columbus five had to get done last year, which is the upgrade. And um, I don't know. There's a lot of little, I, I think a lot of the shit projects will emerge. I think all the rug pulls and all the garbage will show up. It's just a matter of time. Right. Like, but a lot of the early projects also like uh, because it's in rust, um, it wasn't so simple that you could copy and paste the average EVM uh random project and you could just yeah, like, not at all. And stick it on Terra. That's what That's we got demo too. for. <laughs> yeah, so the Rust created a, a little bit of a um, I guess gap uh, for better or for worse in terms of like, but yeah, but I think you'll have all the garbage show up. It's just a matter of time. Like now that we're in the top 10, watch next year, you'll be like holy shit, like there'll be rug pulls at the wazoo I'm sure. And you know what amazes me too is the nonstop hit jobs of all these cheap little articles that keep coming out on um, medium about like how anchor is like what 25 or 40% of the total value locked on, on Terra. You know, it's like, they just cannot leave it alone. 
And it's like, well, the thing is, there's a lot of stuff surrounding Terra that is almost surreal. Like, like Sefi earlier mentioned that the price can go to infinity, like in, more or less. And that even just the 20% on anchor seems very suspicious. I have friends that trust me that, you know, are somewhat into crypto, very into crypto. Everyone's been very skeptical of that and had to dive in and been like, what, like, how is that? How can you just pay 20%? On- <laughs> Cause like, they're basically just throwing money at people. It's basically the largest airdrop in the, ever essentially is what the way the best way to describe it to people yeah it's all the ank token under the hood really right well not even that it's just you like that's basically terraform labs refilling the reserve pool to bring in lots of users that's all it really is it's it's mass marketing it's yeah it's just mass marketing there's like it's not sustainable at that level there's no question of that and they they've they've acknowledged that but it just amazes me how many no hit jobs that just keep yeah no i just meant it (laughs) I know that I know that nobody thinks that's super sustainable long term, but that combined with Luna's whole value proposition, the token mechanisms, the fact the stable coins are not backed by anything inherently like for people outside the ecosystem, it is all just very weird. And it's a very easy target for hit pieces. That was really my only. Yeah, point. It just and like this it's is true. This is generally true. The media is by and large stupid. Let's just kind of like start with that. The the reality is that most of it is incredibly um, so they want to create like uh, a they want to create articles that are clickbaity and most of the people uh, a significant portion of the crypto space doesn't understand the UST Luna mechanism and whatnot. Right. And then the media folks agree just start writing like partial realities. And some of the elements they might say are true, but a lot are just gross misunderstandings of what it actually is but they do love to create some kind of like sensationalist headline to like you know get the clicks and that's where they get into trouble um yeah that that, but that's what i've seen i i I feel like most of them are like um intentionally um i don't know what the answer like it it's just common with the media in general like it's not just the luna ust problem there's there's just yeah it's like there's so much to kind of wrap your head around like for example the one thing that really hung me up when i was researching luna and trying to wrap my head around it right and like honestly maybe you can shed a little light on this stuffy i don't know i watched luna for the longest time i had some investments i really liked what i was trying to do i didn't actually go full ape like until the incident I was talking about earlier where the Iranian liquidations happened and they said they were going to start using uh, like chain link Oracle. Very weird perspective I was coming from, but the one part of the puzzle I didn't totally get is the Terra Oracle or whatever you called it, the internal Oracle. That was the one piece that seemed like, like, how can you, I, I still don't fully get it, by the way. So <laughs> interesting. So yeah. So it was weird. As soon as I was like, okay, even if it's way down the road, they're working to like integrate Chainlink to help back all this. All right, I'm fully in. But well, they that's have, the they one thing. Was like, already. They were I try and explain it to friends, and I can explain like 95 percent of it, but that's where it still breaks down. Where it's like, no, you know, any time. Ban- yeah, it's been banned from the beginning. So I think that so-called Terra Oracle is some kind of system that integrates with Band. It's been banned. Oh, I hate banned. Yeah. <laughs> so for whatever that's worth. Really? So, 
So yeah, okay. Chainlink is is being integrated um, sort of right now. I have to send Octomage or somebody a message and see like where. But that you think is. the internal one is band based, or at least like. It, it has been, yes. So it's going to be both band and Chainlink. Uh, and when, when in the Luna not so first future. got going, like band is obviously just the middleman, the actual Oracle like service. What like liquid did it just pull from TerraSwap from just internal price? Like where was the first like price feed it got from before? I mean, even still now, I guess band. Like what's band pulling from? What liquidity pools? What? Well, uh, now, for remember for um, Anchor, you you mainly needed just the price of Luna, right? So I'm talking about the burning Luna for UST mechanism, not even necessarily Anchor. Just like when you're going to convert one into the other, right? How does the system know how much Luna is supposed to be worth at this moment to give you that? Well, money? see, because the Luna's value is uh, first and foremost the value on chain. So yeah, between TerraSwap yeah, so that, and all the other the, the 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 systems, that sort of determines the base price more than so anything. So like in the very beginning, was it maybe like TerraSwap? It looked at TerraSwap because that was the first major DAX, right? Yeah, I would think so. That's probably okay. where it got most of its data from. Okay. Yeah. But I mean I'm totally yeah, sold on Luna at this point, but that one little intricacy of just like it's referencing its own price for how much it should mint, it's like it's always been a little weird, but I'm sure yeah, I, mean, I know that men much converting. harder than me have figured it out. <laughs> yeah, you're converting. Uh, yeah, I get I get what you're saying. So, yeah, how that lit the mint burn mechanism, if at all, is going to change uh, based on chain link. I don't know. I'm not really sure how that works. Probably won't change. It'll just grow more robust. If I were to guess, just pulling out of my ass, like it'll just have redundancy. Yeah, yeah I, I, basically. I remember... I was, I was going to say, I remember back, uh, this was in the very first crash, um, what they had issues with, with the oracles initially. I can't remember what upgrade they did, but what someone was doing was they were manipulating the price uh, to where they could buy it cheaper on the, ex it was either buy it cheaper on a DEX or on the exchange, and they would get it to where, um, UST, not Luna, uh, they would manipulate the price in order to basically just get free Luna for minting and create this like cascading event. Um, I don't know what they did. I can't remember what it was, but I just remember looking into that on the first crash from like 20 bucks to like, what was it, $4 or $3? That, that was the first issue that they had. But they, since then, they fixed that. Uh, they yeah, there was, there was uh, reflexivity fixes, uh, like Drake said. Quite That's a bit was. fixed in Columbus 5. Yep. Luna also has sort of the same benefit of proof of stake and. I mean, even like mining networks in, in a sense, just that the bigger it gets, the less that can become a problem. Because like at the size it's exactly. at now, there is so much arbitraging influence from players that just want to make a legitimate buck arbitraging and helping to keep the peg that like, God, to do something like that. I don't even know if it'd be possible at this point if you weren't like a government. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? I, so Luna, Luna's uh, uh, value proposition uh it was way riskier if you were me buying at $5 on that crash than it is now. So in other words, yes. the yes. $5 to $100 like speculative benefit you got 
was the fact that it wasn't fully robust yet. And therefore you got in quote unquote early, but took all the risks of being early, right? So when people say, oh, I got an early to something, well, it wasn't without some serious risk, especially if you made any serious amount of money, like you invested a lot at, you know, after that crash and you took it on faith that all that shit was going to be fixed and it's doing well now, <laughs> you you truly deserve. Sumo. <laughs> yeah, you truly deserve. Yeah, because yeah. it's worth it now. Still, you, were, you were putting your money on the line and you took the risk. And it, exactly. For, for everyone, is, li- yeah, everyone listening, it's like we're talking about the stress tests of UST keeping its bag and all the dynamics that go on behind the scenes. Not to, not to mention, if you saw, if you bought it, $25 and 35 and 50 and all the way around you like the amount of volatility you had up and down. It wasn't like it was just, it looks up only on a chart now, but on a month to month basis, my wife would be like, okay, is this worth anything yeah. anymore? <laughs> just flat so It was brutally, uh, just violent swings. Right. So like that was just normal. Now, if you get into Luna now, it's way less risky than it was at that time in, te- in the sense that like there's way more network effect there's ust and luna are really high in market cap everyone can see it so there's like a meme effect that's automatic now you have a f- chain that's actually functioning and everything works the way it's supposed to you have tons of dApps with value locked on them and you know the team has proven itself right so to get from a hundred dollars to a thousand dollars is a way more probable scenario now than like the risks you took from let's say I don't know, a dollar to the first hundred, I would say. You know, like one way I like to try and pitch Luna to people here, you can take this one home with you, Safi, in exchange for all this awesome knowledge. I feel like Luna is the single biggest benefiter of the first mover's advantage since Bitcoin. Like out of all cryptos and chains with the way they work, tokenomics, et cetera. Yeah, specifically when you look at first mover advantage, yeah, Luna's second only to Bitcoin, I think. Yeah. In a very I, unique I, way. Like I fully like, agree. Like this is this we, is why I say like the probability that um uh because of its use case and the product market fit, like market M- Marty was mentioning, the that's yeah, the reason. The market I think needs that it now. The market the prob- can't afford for it to die away and a competitor come up over time. Exactly. Right. And it's it's like this is the reason why I say like the pr- the probability of it becoming number two after BTC is very high, just given its tokenomic design and all the other elements, right? So it's it's a it's an important mix of good tokenomics, UST being useful as a sort of internet native product, um, and the fact that like everyone can use UST. It's not like some subsection of the market that might use, let's say, Akash or something like that, right? It's like anyone can use a stablecoin and make it useful. So the store of value slash currency problem is essentially being solved. Um, And really, quite frankly, just Ethereum didn't solve that problem. So in my view, the probability that uh, Terra will become second to Ethereum, and then that will bootstrap because when UST becomes like a hundred billion plus or a trillion plus, then that bootstraps the cosmos just to drag it right alongside with it, right? Because it's so easy to jump between everything. So it's like up it's everyone's benefit on Cosmos that UST happens to exist. Because there's no question a lot of money came into just all of Cosmos from UST already. 
Um, and, and I think that is where we really sort of see uh, the next couple of years of just, you know, cosmos astronomical growth will happen if like, let's say Luna is at a thousand bucks. The amount of borrowing power people have off their Luna on Anchor starts going literally astronomical, right? You can buy everything under the sun. I went to KuCoin today and I went and literally bought every other damn coin that I thought was interesting and just, just sort of, it's just kind of, you know, took, it's like, you know, just plowing the field essentially because everything's been wrecked and it's a perfect time to basically just buy everything. And with enough collateral power, you can buy whatever the hell you want. Right. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. That, that's you. Just, it's uh, nice when stuff's on sale, right? Right. Sefi, when stuff's on sale, that's when you want to go buy in. Well, it's, it's when it's on sale and you have collateral power. Right. So this is the weird problem. A weird thing. Luna happens to be the one thing up in the entire market compared to almost everything, right? That's and it's the point most point. straightforward collateral to borrow off of simultaneously. So even if I borrow off of shit like 5% of my Luna, like I can go and just sweep the floor with every other thing that got wrecked and just totally gamble at that point and be totally safe, right? That's why I keep so much of my borrowing power, like my collateral value. Um, I keep it um, uh, available for these moments, but did I think for a second that Luna would be like relatively this preserved in this market compared to everything else? I didn't. So now it's like we're weirdly powerful in terms of the ability to buy just about anything, right? It's weird. Yeah, I agree. So, think think about let, let's just say you know worst case scenario, Bitcoin goes back to sub. 30 goes down to like 28k you know is is luna really going to retrace that much i don't think so Maybe i don't think so every yeah. dip's getting bought yeah and then as, as bitcoin goes lower people are running into stables right so that's going to help sustain that's the other thing as if there weren't enough things in luna's favor if once it gains enough traction which it's almost about to at this point it almost becomes like appealing in a bear market because it is the source for UST, which is the stables people want to flee into. And if it would, it would also be different if like the dApps on Terra sucked, but they don't suck either. Right. So that's the other crazy thing. So who knows? Yo, so I wanted to, so when you were talking about, so there's two things you um, said that kind of triggered a thought in my head, um, basically about talking about the astronomical potential growth of, of Adam and just how people really don't understand a lot of this blockchain stuff, like people really don't understand this stuff to a depth. Um, and they sell valuable tokens like Nebula. Like I looked at, I, after you mentioned it, I looked at the chart. It's insane how low that, that asset is with what it, with what they're, um, with what they're creating. So, well, the, well remember is, Nebula is in a lock drop right now. So it's like, uh, it's being released now and uh, okay. you have to be careful. It yeah, started, it started at a price that was way higher than realistic. It's okay. like intentional. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's fine. All right. So that makes sense. Yeah. But, be really um, careful with that, by the way. I didn't, I, I did not mean to say go buy Nebula right now. No, no, I'm no, saying- no. Yeah. Nebula is something I was actually on like a month or so ago. Like I thought it was a major thing just because of the whole fact that Luna, you know, and USD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can, no, you it's know, good. Work. What we were talking about earlier yeah. was a strategy for like how to buy that coin, which I think you should look at considering it after like the four days, eight hours left in the lock drop. Gotcha. Let the thing actually dump after that because some idiots are going to sell their airdrops and then mm-hmm. get into it is what I'm saying. So no. I think Nebula is good. I'm just saying like from a token release, 
be careful with how you do that. That's Noted. Okay. Noted. I appreciate it. Okay, so what what it, the thought that um it kind of gave me right is like like I've been accumulating Adam for a while now, and it it, it just shocks me the the price action of it because I feel like it's extremely undervalued, and I'm not upset with that because I'm underallocated myself. But um I guess sometimes I try to figure out like a some type of time horizon for it for like do I have time to keep accumulating slowly or do should it, it is is it something I should start to try and dump in sooner before everyone catches on to this. And but I feel like I have a good amount of time before people really understand it. And then and and by that statement, like I don't mean about like price projections or anything like that. I definitely believe I'm very bullish on on Cosmos long term. But I'm curious to know, like, what are some other protocols and releases that may cause that surge of demand and, and things that come to my mind off top are like like passage, um, you know, NFT marketplace and then uh, Celestia. I feel like that's just. That, that well, so well. the really interesting thing with the cosmos right is none of those things are going to drive value necessarily like inherit and in, inherently to adam mm-hmm. um i like adam's very interesting right because adam is the long play it's a long play right. my answer years. is the row upgrade like that's when i think you have to accumulate until probably like six months to a half Six months to maybe like a full year uh, after okay. the row upgrade, which is expected Q2 2022. Um, that comes with, where is it? It's hidden in here somewhere. Well, liquid staking apparently, so that'll be great. But uh, interchain accounts, a whole bunch of stuff, honestly. But where is, did they move it back? Oh, interesting. Okay, so Lambda upgrade now, apparently, which is Q3 2022, which will be the first version of Interchain Security. And then next version, we'll have version two. I think Interchain Security. And there's, wow, just on the roadmap alone, they have three versions of it going, stretching out to Q1 2023. But I think that's when you're going to see Adam start to have genuine unique specific use case and the reason they're doing it in phases like that tim i think you you know is because it's like you have to get all the chains to kind of slowly upgrade they're not all going to do it at the same time so it's going to be like v1 v2 v3 and they're they're projecting not until q1 of next year q2 that all the chains will be able to implement the the upgrades needed yeah for interchain security. But so yeah, probably till halfway through 2023. That would be my also uh, to note, by the way, guys, from a price action standpoint. Um, so Adam right now is uh, in the neighborhood of, let me see, there was a 56% or so retracement from the top. Um, for an inflationary coin, that's actually substantially better than a significant portion of the DeFi market, believe it or not. Like substantial <laughs> portion of other coins got just completely wrecked comparatively. Um, and I know it's not happy to see it at $21.26 at the moment, especially if you bought higher. I think I got in at I think an average price about 15 bucks maybe or something like that. So it's okay. Um, but um, I think the interesting thing is the amount of volume uh, developed right at around this price for Adam is really pretty good. Um, 
I think if the total uh, crypto market uh, doesn't uh, do a whole lot more dipping from a Bitcoin perspective, I think this is probably around a good floor price. Agreed. Um, if the rest of the market um, goes completely berserk downwards, which I'm not a strong believer that's going to happen, by the way, I don't, I just don't think it's probable given more how pending. You know, Bitcoin spent a solid year developing its current price um, floor. I think the odds of it doing dramatically lower are not very high. And not only that, but if Bitcoin were to have one other dip and Adam dipped to 15 bucks or something, I think that's short lived is my suspicion. That's just my just general take on this. So I think um, if someone's new to Adam um, and if you believe in the like the interchain security stuff and everything else coming out next year, like they said, I think this is the this is the price to probably start getting in if you if people haven't already. So anyway, agree. Yeah, this is the level I had marked a while ago. I'm shocked to see it this low. And um, <clears throat> so yeah, agree. But I appreciate that. Thank you so much. But yeah, especially the first part of what you said, Sophie. Though I, I remind people of that sometimes, like Adam is inflationary, um, somewhat highly so compared to like some other major chains. I mean, when we look at other shit in the cosmos like juno and wawa it seems you know pretty low just like 14 percent. but although you know what, its- one benefit of that is that because it's a, it has an inflationary no- mechanism that i don't know the exact math but right now it's like what almost 16 percent. the good part of that is if you happen to get it when it hits those lower prices you're actually getting um, you're getting it when there's a lot less people actually staking because what happens is is that like when the price is going down, people like panic and sell and whatever, and you get a bigger portion of the actual yield, which you know technically is, that that's good. <laughs> I've seen some charts that actually disprove that for Adam uh, that like oh, really? compare price action with bonded ratio. Yeah, and like there's sometimes some correlation, but compared to like most projects like you don't necessarily see a big dip in the total amount bonded or even the bonded ratio which is you know taking into account new coins every block when the price drops it's so why so why is the yield so high now i just couldn't understand why it was so good or so high well the bonded ratio might be lower now than you know in prior but yeah it's not like directly related though it's been As people people unbond, the the interest rate can go up. The staking rate goes up just a little bit, correct? Yeah, totally. I'm just saying I've seen some charts before. Right now, well, here's the answer, Steffi. That might be what's happening right now. Like, that's totally possible. I've just seen some charts that overall in the history of Adam, it's been fairly resilient. It's just not that strong of a correlation. Well, I mean, guys, we all all know the answer to this. The reason why it doesn't go... crazy up when it goes down is because Sepia is buying and staking it. That's the nope. whole reason why the uh, the APRs dropped is because <laughs> he's staking. But yes, Sepia, I just meant correlation, not it it is mathematically correlated, correct. Um but like the amount staked to uh the percent yield that you get obviously, but in relation to a lot of uh, inflationary coins, the relation towards between amount staked and like price action isn't that there's not a ton of correlation there's obviously some um but yeah here uh trevor go ahead and then caleb so you guys got your hands up hey yeah how's it going 
I wasn't. Uh, thank you so much for uh, calling me. Uh, calling me up. Does it still say Trevor there? Because I swear I changed my name to Technique. But uh, it does. It does still say Trevor. Oh, that's surprising. I anyway. see Technique. <laughs> it shows Technique. Really? Yeah. I'm seeing Technique, and I'm seeing a secret ape. Are Are you a part of the secret apes? Yes, sir. He's converted. Right, welcome, welcome. Thank Whoa, that's you. crazy. I'm seeing a totally different seeing, <laughs> I guess, your old profile picture and your old name. Yeah, you do. You must you see a little uh, a spaceman, don't you? Yep. Weird. Yeah. That's um Twitter's cool. Anyway, yeah, well there you go. Uh, it'll it'll switch for you. I, I changed it a while ago and you must have an old version of it for some reason. That's but it. yeah. Um I had a few uh, a few questions just because it was um kind of a a, a 101 uh type of thing so what uh basically i was wondering about the validators for the cosmos chain yeah for like the cosmos spaces validator or the main chain just a question about validating for main chain yeah well um yeah i guess i was going to start with the main with the main uh, well um can anyone can can i run one can anyone run one um oh I yeah cool oh, okay this so yeah good one for tricky yeah yeah tricky do you want to pop in here the answer is yes anyone can you just need enough atom bonded to get in the active set but oh i see and then you can actually yeah. start like validating blocks and stuff yes yeah, so for everybody listening, actually, if you check the pin tweets up at the top, somewhere in the middle of them, you will see that Cosmos Spaces is running a validator on Atom. So if you guys want to go delegate some Atom there, that'd be great. But yeah, we spun that up just recently. Or them, really. <laughs> I'm not taking any credit there. You guys have done crazy work on that tricky. Do you want to actually take this? You probably know much more about this process. Uh, yeah, no, you did. You answered right. Like everything. Uh... Right to me. You just pretty much have to have enough atom uh, stake to your validator. Um, but there's also like it. You know, it's all you need is to run the validator. But it sounds a lot easier than it really is. Um, so yeah, like, that's the part to, I know nothing yeah. about. <laughs> you, yeah, I get that. I, I get that. I was just wondering about the yeah. permission of it. I'm so exactly. like I'm overjoyed to hear that it's <laughs> exactly. over. It's it's open. It's like I to be honest, never. Well, besides Tardano, haven't uh, found another chain that is like that. Um, so it, it's a little bit different than than Cardano because Cardano is just like there can be almost like an infinite number of validators, and you just you know have to have enough stake to mint blocks. With Cosmos chains, there's a limit to the uh, number of active validators, so they call it like the inactive set and the active set. Um, so to be in the active set, you have to have uh, it's dependent on each chain. It's a little different. Some are like 100, some are 40, some are 150, 175. Um, you have to have like the top 175 um, amount of delegations um, to be considered in the active set. Um, so some chains, that's really easy. Um, some people have like enough just in their wallets right now themselves to get in the active set. Um, other chains, it's, it's a lot, you know, like even like Terra, it's like, you know, over over $20 million to get in the active set. Um, other chains, it's like open as soon as, as soon as you spin up a validator, um, you can be in the active set because there's just not in the validators there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, you can delegate those, sorry, just to uh, clear up my understanding. You, you, you can delegate 
Like you don't need to have that much yes. cosmos or whatever. Exactly. So yeah, yeah so you can have friends, you can have a community, you can have random people, investors, whoever. Yeah. So um, the, the way it works is even if you're not in the active set, people can still delegate to you to try and get you up into it and make your like rewards go live and such. So once you spin up a validator, even if you're not in the active set, you are like technically a live validator. You're not helping to secure the chain yet, but you are part of the network that people can see and interact with. Um, and if you're interested in getting into it, um, technique, if that's why you're wondering, I know the route a lot of like new validators will take is trying to launch on a new chain, like a new one, a new chain spins up in the cosmos. They need valid validators. You can be part of that community. You also have a way better chance of being in the active sex, you know, brand new market cap. Um, so that's a route I've seen a lot of validators pop up in that have then spread to other like older, more established chains from that. Oh, I see. Very cool. Very cool. Um, thank you so much. I don't, uh, I think I, all my questions are answered right now, but hey, technique, I've got a, I've got a question for you. If you could, um, maybe fill I would me love in here. to try. <laughs> so on, I've got a question regarding, um, the, the Cardano validator network now. So you have like a theoretical, um, like as many validators as you, there's no theoretical limit, I suppose. Right. Number one. And so second, um, let's say the number of validators doubled in the next year. Let's just kind of make up some number. Um, do the inflationary rewards of the token then go down because now there's more validators? So maybe like the amount drops in half or like how, do, how does the rewards mechanism work if you increase the validators even more? Just or do you know just asking so if i don't fully know but basically if you ha you yeah you have to have a certain amount of ada staked to the pool uh in order to really start minting blocks um every every epoch consistently right um now when more validators come on the network there uh, they take the parameter and they they can adjust that yeah so the way that it that it works for cardano is if you were staking to a, a validator that has less stake you actually will get more rewards because it's a little different the way they distribute rewards they just distribute that whole block each block is has like an amount of rewards in it um, and once you mint that block your validator gets all those rewards and splits it between all of your delegators um, so Sefi, to answer your question if they double the validators technically yes rewards would go down by half because you have more validators to split um, rewards with um, so that's like kind of like one of the weird things about Cardano because they have like a point of diminishing returns for validators, like the amount of consensus power they gain as they reach a certain threshold of delegations. So it incentivizes people to spin up multiple validators. Um, but it also has like a really high threshold to be even can be able to mint a block. Um, so there is like a higher barrier to entry. Um, but it is like a interesting like model because if you're staking to a validator with less stake, you get more rewards, but also too, it's like you sometimes will miss out on rewards for an whole, a whole epoch. But then next epoch, like you'll probably end up making up for it and getting a lot of rewards. Um, the, the, the reason I'm asking this is because um, I, I was trying to like 
I was trying to analyze the mechanics of this last year's sort of um, coins that had inflationary uh, token systems, like whether it's a Solana or whatever. And I was trying to see if there's some sort of correlation between the degree of the inflation and the actual, like, let's say, pullback from, I don't know, some metric, like pullback from the top or something like that in terms of value. So, like, for example, Solana had a from top to bottom was like a 71% pullback. Um, and Cardano had a 76% pullback, et cetera. So I'm just wondering, just with um, inflationary mechanisms, I, I'm trying to figure out in my head, like, why some of them do this. Now, it could also be just that, like, price pumped, you know, beyond reality, and it just has to pull back more. That's a possibility. Um, but long term, like, these inflationary mechanisms, um, what do they mean? And, like, what does it imply regarding, like, what is a good price to get in on something with? Um, inflationary tokenomics. So the reality is like the, th that with inflationary tokenomics, you really need to sort of like do um, like a base three exponential sort of buying program. Uh, what I mean by that is like, if it's a really an, anything with inflationary tokenomics, it almost makes sense just based on how this last year's performance played out that you might buy it like Let's say you bought the first buy you made was at 10 bucks. Then you wait till the price drops, let's say 10%, and you the next buy would be like 30. And then the next buy after that would be like um, uh, 90, et cetera. So it's like then 270. So you're going on a um, multiples of three. And the reason for that is like because it's inflationary you want to save most of your dry powder for the so-called bottom, wherever that is, but then the inflation rate will ultimately save you because you have so much more yield when you get way more coin at the bottom. But certainly what this last year has sort of taught us is that you cannot underestimate how far from the top these tokens will actually fall. Um, and like we, we should be prepared for that um, uh, in, in the overall like in calculating how much potential upside you can have because of selling pressure, but also how far you could go to the downside in selling pressure as well. I even want to add for just any newish people in the space, I don't even consider the last year or so that bad. Like we can go much lower and see much crazier downs. Like, so yeah, just like take for Cardano, for example, um, uh, it's volume support with the highest volume was at about a buck. Uh, well, in the recent time frame, it was at a buck twenty-five. It broke below that. And now it's at eighty-four cents. The next level down from a volume support standpoint is sitting right at about thirty-three cents. That's a pretty serious retrace, right? And that's actually fairly probable. Again, I'm not trying to fight it or tell you it's going to go there. I'm just saying, like, that is not an improbable destination um, because remember, on the downside. The validators need to make a buck and they need to run their systems and that's going to create sort of like, and the validator has to say, wait a minute, am I going to hold this with the hope that it's going to go up or do I need to run operations today? Right. And then, so if the coins are heavily in the hands of a lot of validators, the validators themselves may have uh, sustainable selling pressure 
and that can create like ongoing downward pressure is what I'm saying. But anyway, just some kind of technical theory here as far as like where these things are going. <laughs> um, you know, but at the same time, if you can get these coins that have inflationary rewards and you can get them at the near bottoms and you prefer the yield and you don't really worry about the upside, um, you can find some prices where you actually get some fairly decent investments from that perspective, right? Um, like Algorand right now is sitting at the last of its volume support. It's all, all down to 67 cents, but it's next major, the major volume supports down at 30 cents, which is like another 50% cut from here. Um, but at the same time to give up all of your bull market gains is very weird guys. Like, um, it's not the, the expectation of a growth asset to both retrace back to your pre-bull market level and then drop below it. That's like the, that's like almost like a dying asset that does that sort of thing. And like Algorand as an example right now is like retesting last, you know, August's peak and whatnot. And just like its chart looks like a total disaster. Uh, yeah, I was like just going to say, I don't think you should underestimate how many projects in the top 100 are just dying projects. Yeah, world. so that's that's definitely a concern. And I, I think um, from an investing thesis perspective, like, yeah, people have to really um, sort of figure out what they're going to do. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, guys, I just wanted to yeah touch touch space about playing the long game and like what the the number one key in this sector to just make it is just to survive. And in Sepia, I'd, I'd love to get your ideas a little bit of like the overall market with with bitcoin at sub 40k it's like yeah we can go lower but like this is when it comes to you know knowing what you the technology you believe in and, and have being committed to it and and what we were talking about earlier is being able to dollar cost average and it's like surviving through these hard times through through these lower times this is how you make it to to the other side does that we kind of touched on that real real early when we were in this space but yeah so if you i'd like to get some of your ideas on like you know where where do you think because you have the overall macro stock market you know there's so much fud out there right now with interest rates and all that but you got to keep your eyes focused on where do you want to be three years from now you know or or, or like where do you want to be six months from now so for example let's say i picked up some i don't know algorand today and I'm banking on the idea that, you know what, the crypto space has had the shit kicked out of it. And we typically end up seeing like at least dead cat bounces at some point in the middle of all of this, because eventually people say, OK, look, the selling pressure has gone down. The volume on the selling is really, really low. And it's not that hard to move the market at that point. So a bunch of, you know, people end up going and starting buying things. They start buying things on leverage and they sort of like pump the stuff back up. So, uh, you know, we're kind of due with the amount of carnage or wreckage in the market for like at least some dead cap bounce type stuff, in which case you could say to yourself, hey, you know what? I don't know if I want this Algorand thing. Um, you know, like I, I didn't sell it up until now, but I don't know. It's time to research whether they're actually doing anything at the Algorand network. And if they're not, like, okay, I'm going to dump this and go do something else or whatever. But you don't necessarily want to sell it at the very bottom, which is what commonly happens in, in crypto. The question is right now, and what we don't really know is, um, like, w what is the, the situation for 
BTC in general, I think it looks pretty good, uh, particularly from the perspective of like the um, it's sort of hovering at its long term log trend line or the, or the trend line on the log scale. Um, the yeah, second thing is it's, they're saying support um, su strong supports at 33K. If it goes below 33K, then we're we're breaking trend. Right. I mean, yeah. And you have like this pretty deep I mean, sort of like long consolidation of price in this region like i mean think about it we've been at this price since january 2021 right it's 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 been a while now you can always go lower for six months or a year but the odds that you're going to like break upwards you know within a i don't know six within six months is high and the reason is because like there are way more countries in this and that um, engaging in Bitcoin now than there ever was. So I think, uh, and then also the on-chain metrics, you know, the Glassnode data, as far as like how much uh, coin is um, taken off chain taken right off now. Exchanges, yeah, mm -hmm. is like that's going to play a role eventually. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I think uh, that's going to make a big difference because your ability to sort of like borrow, the reason why it's important that it's not an exchange is not just because you can't, um, sell it immediately, but because exchanges can't lend it out uh, <laughs> short the of shorting it. Yeah. And that eventually makes a difference. But my suspicion is we're probably near the end of the, the BTC drama, if I had to guess, even with all the macroeconomic shit. Remember, if you think about this Bitcoin market cap, and it's currently at like, what is it? Uh, da, 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 da. 0 0.9 or yeah, it's like 0.9 trillion or something. That's like the size of one Nasdaq tech company, right? Like, you know, the some of the bigger ones obviously, but it's it's this, it's not so big that um like the broader market has to bring it down or whatever. The the sort of like this, you know, the math the macroeconomic fud that always attaches to the crypto space, I think is largely narrative driven and not reality driven. Yeah. In my, yeah, in my opinion, I, I just think it's just great to get that perspective because it's like, you know, crypto and DeFi, you know, we are at the far end of the risk curve. You know, it's like people can play it really, really stay safe with, you know, ETFs and stocks. And, you know, you're going to take a 10, 15 percent haircut on that when the when the stock market goes down. We're further out on the risk curve. So we're going to have these bigger dips. But it's also good to understand, and it's like you, like you continue to say, Sefi, it's like, you know, this is, a, this is where the growth is, you know? And it, it's just like, I want to encourage everyone here. It's like, it's, it's these times is when you, you really, you want to know what your, what your belief, but you also need to understand, like, you want, you, you, want, you want to be able to, to invest, but not be able to be moved by your emotions all the time. But any, anyways, I, I appreciate it. Are, you and Haas got us are doing a space tomorrow night, right? Yeah, we're going to do a, a Cadena Cosmos space uh, discussion. And then for early next week, actually, uh, Stuart Popejoy um, with Cadena actually reached out and was interested in doing something on like whatever's happening on Cadena soon. So we're going to do something next week, I believe, there, too. Is he on the team? He, is... he, he's one of the I think he's the co-founder or founder or whatever. OK, yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to tomorrow night. I'll definitely be wanting to listen out to that because it's just yeah. anyone, anyone that doesn't know it Kadena has the technology to scale beyond limit. So with hopefully them partnering up and enabling connecting to the cosmos, I think it and, can just, 
And they're built on a modified version of Tendermint called Kadonament, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah, they're they're going to be doing um, IBC integration, and then they're going to have uh, UST available. I spoke to the founder of uh, uh, Daniel, uh, I forget his last name right now, but the founder of Flux and um, the last week. And uh, they also are the ones that do the Zellcore wallet. So they're going to have uh, readily interchangeable uh, native UST with Cadena assets on Zellcore before too long. So that'll make it really, really easy for us to go from Cosmos to um, okay. to Cadena related projects, which is another interesting uh, thing, but also it allows people to come from there to here and vice versa. So you'll notice a lot of people that are Cadena fans also are already Terra fans simultaneously as well. Just because there's been a lot of crosstalk. Technique, I wanna I wanna throw it over to you. I see you've had your hand up, but real quick, I'm just curious, Safi. Have we been pronouncing your name right? Yeah, you got Sophie? it. Okay. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> I was wondering if it was like C Fi, Sephi. I know yeah. Delphi. It's, yeah, I can, exactly, tell, I can always I can always tell when someone's new, they call you, they call him C Fi. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead, man. Yeah, man. I was just uh, my question. I was basically. Oh, sorry. Oh, wait. Actually, Caleb, did we ever get to you? No, no, no. You did never got to me. No, I'm so, I'm so sorry, man. You should have kept your hand up, but that's my bad. Um, Technical. We'll circle back to you, but Caleb, go ahead. My bad. Thanks for the patience. <laughs> I was just wondering, um, what proportion of uh, Luna's current price is due to the bond mechanism as opposed to just uh, market forces? So. Uh, to put it another way, if there was no bond mechanism, what price would Luna currently be be at? Is there a way to pick it up? I think it's almost all market forces still. And the reason I say that is because most of the Luna that was burned was not Luna that was already in circulation. It was Luna that was released from TFL's uh, reserve fund and donating to LFG. So neither TFL was going to sell Luna on the open market, nor was LFG going to sell it on the open market. So therefore, like, downward price action wasn't going to happen but also this isn't luna being taken off the existing circulating supply to burn it so i think most of it is just the meme effect to some extent but i've seen that mistake made like tasha who's an analyst uh on twitter and who talks like kind of made the claim that the burn mechanism okay well yeah that would make the price go up but i don't think so i think the longer term effect is yes that will have an effect but the shorter term is, I believe, that the meme effect uh, is front-running any sort of serious tokenomic effect of any kind. So, so you're saying we've not really seen the effects of the bond yet? Well, we're seeing the network effect of UST spreading, right? And more people showing up on Terra and then buying Luna and then believing that the burn mechanism is the reason for it going up. But not directly. Um, yeah. Yeah. But and it's a strong meme. Don't get me wrong. Like it's that's the thing. That's why I keep saying the more possible meme effects you have for your coin in terms of like features that you can spread online, people go, oh, yeah, it's deflationary. Oh, yeah, I can use it as collateral. Oh, OK. UST. I love that. OK. What you know, the more the more possible um, pros you can have for your project uh, that are, are not negative, right? Like the worst thing is if you're just throwing coins into circulation, you have a chain link situation, right? That's a problem. So 
if the public starts believing, holy shit, these people are just going to keep dumping coin and there's no mechanism to like create buy pressure and the coin has no utility, eventually people are like, well, I'm just going to go to the other coin that has all these features, right? So you're seeing that play out heavily in the marketplace. I think the large money is going to move to the uh, whatever is perceived to have some kind of store of value function as opposed to um, whatever. So at the very least, you know that there's not a massive amount of Luna increasing in the marketplace. If the, at the very best, it's going down in total quantity. You know, And even the circulating supply has been going down. So there is some effect there, but it's not nearly as rapid as um, the total supply. And of course, the circulating supply could increase any time, like if people unstake or whatever the hell. So it's not... Um, a lot of times we look at the total supply only because it's like more it's more objective and is not subjective to a lot of change that quickly. Um, but like you said, it probably doesn't have a whole lot of effect on actual price. <laughs> so that's the idea. Okay. Got it. Thanks for that. And then technic, if you want to hop back in. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, so uh, two questions. Um, the first question how did uh, how did the Evmos launch go? I heard that that launched, um, man, just uh, today or yesterday. So, uh, um, how the, how the hell did that go? That's my first question, and my second question is kind of close to that. Um, what is the best in the entire you know IBC Cosmos world? What is the best method for wrapping Bitcoin over? Good question. So I wish we were in the future and I could say Nomic. We have a very cool, like dedicated Bitcoin sidechain thing in the world. Oh no, that's cool. That's that that thank you for telling that's what I was looking for. I I, I should have specified I don't care if it's not launched yet. Okay. Yeah, I mean they're in beta right now, but it, it's it is in the works. Yeah, and like there are some ways to get uh, Bitcoin over here, but Nomic's the one that I will probably be recommending once it goes live. Um, I have not personally moved Bitcoin into the Cosmos, but I know you can do it on Secret, right? They have some way because they have S Bitcoin. Well, I mean they have a they have the Binance Smart Chain bridge and the Ethereum bridge, so I know you can take like wrapped Bitcoin. Is that what it is? Okay. Yeah, it's all um, it's all going to be wrapped, right? I mean, actually probably. <laughs> yeah, it's all going to be wrapped, but uh, I was just... Yeah. Conceptually um a really cool function and we were talking talking with Chad Barriford like earlier this afternoon about it a little bit. A really cool option would be is like you bring your BTC via your Bitcoin wallet into Thorchain and then you could borrow off of it and get like UST or whatever the heck you wanted uh that's ibc compatible and then you could bring that into as opposed to having to even sell your bitcoin hmm, or wrap cool. it for that matter okay. right? you just get the btc derivative and then you, you can also just deposit your btc um via that derivative and wind up getting like yield on your bitcoin too which could be pretty cool so there's some interesting possibilities there i love everything you just said but i missed the very beginning part of it so what you you take Bitcoin and put it in the Thorchain? Is that what you said, sir? Yeah. Well, Thorchain natively ties into Bitcoin wallet, and then you'd be able to swap it for like something that you can play oh, with an IBC. Oh, you're saying like this USD. would be cool. Is that the part you missed? This isn't a thing. 
You're saying no, this it's, would be cool. it's a thing now. You can convert BTC to yeah, USD this is, now. Yeah, this sounds like a thing now. Yeah, yeah, but Thorify is going to allow you to do a lot of other interesting stuff, like borrow off your Bitcoin uh, and then get USD. Right, the borrowing part I meant, sorry. Yeah, the borrowing part is yeah. coming. It's called Thorify, which uh, I have to admit, I haven't played that much on Thorchain. I've just been following it peripherally, but... Um, it seems like uh, the Bitcoiner's wet dream, essentially, <laughs> in terms of like what it's capable of. Nice. Very cool. So, yeah, there'll be that. Um, and then, yeah, Nomic, I don't know. If... So my first question was about Evmos. How did, uh, how did Evmos go? Oh, uh, I don't think any issues so far. <laughs> um, rewards will be turned on in two days. Um, have there been what, issues? What are the uh, DEXs uh, that are the most trusted over there? Uh, that's, a good, that's a good question. <laughs> Your own on Evmos, the I, I don't know of any like who I could vouch for the devs of or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, the, the, one of the main ones is Diffusion. It's it's a uh, a Uniswap clone. I mean, Diffusion is... I know that they've got some good validator backing, um, but, I mean, have been... Some validators have helped with with that. I mean, as we were talking before, Evmos was was complicated because, you know, you have a lot of uh, MetaMask users that they're um, trying to reach out to and the complications of being um, integrated with two different total wallet types Evmos uses metamask right you can use metamask or a a cosmos wallet either one right okay and it just holds the erc20 in like a special little spot in your cosmos wallet no so the only reason it connects to metamask is to be able to calculate your rec drop amount and give you your rec drop. Yeah, which not, is a, which is not ERC twenty tokens. There, anything yeah. that anything on Evmos is going to be a uh, an Evmos. So, so Evmos token. is a new standalone chain in the Cosmos, right? With its base token, similar to how ETH is for Ethereum, it has Evmos as the token for the Evmos chain. They should have picked a better ticker, um, and that is what you're getting. Uh, in this like initial drop period uh, and the rec drop portion is part of those Evmos coming into supply are being given to people who paid a lot of fees on Ethereum. So in order to prove that you were a certain wallet and that you deserve the, your Evmos for the fees that X address has you know spent on chain, you have to use MetaMask to like confirm that and do a transaction sign. But you aren't getting like Ethereum assets. And I just wanted to um, second a statement about diffusion as far as the DEX. That's according to my research. That's the best I've found. That's what I was leaning toward for myself. But like you said, do yeah. my research. That's the one I've heard yeah. about. I thought that Evmos was like the EVM on connected to Cosmos. Yeah. So we talked about this a little bit earlier. But so EVM really does mean a ethereum virtual machine it has nothing to do with the real ethereum so real ethereum assets have nothing to do with the assets on evmos the only thing similar is that it's the same like coding infrastructure so if you 
can take a code on Ethereum, you could copy it and put it on Evmos and it would run. But I can't figure out who the theoretical user of Evmos is. I just don't get it. But anyway, maybe I'm just clueless. I have no idea. Well, um, you, you, would, uh, you would use it as a, as a bridge. Right? No, like, see, that's the thing. Evmos, it's not a bridge. That's a super miss. Like, Evmos is not a bridge in any way, shape, or form. It is its own standalone chain that is just an Ethereum clone, but built on Cosmos tech and infrastructure. The only reason MetaMask, the Ethereum wallet, has anything to do with it whatsoever, it's not because any funds are going between or anything like that. There's no bridge. The only reason MetaMask is involved is because you're using it to prove that you are a certain Ethereum wallet so that you can get some free of most tokens for paying all those fees. Yeah, the cleanest way to get um, Ethereum over to Cosmos without a bridge would, or to swap it for assets without a bridge would be actually, and not having to use a centralized exchange, is again going to be ThorSwap on ThorChain. So for BTC and ETH, that's going to be like your simplest way ultimately to get onto the Cosmos without a centralized exchange, right? If you're talking about bridging an asset like, for example, ETH and bringing it on chain so that you can use some ETH derivative, that would be through Wormhole or um, Lido Finance. And um, then you can bring assets into at least Terra. I'm not sure about some of the other... um, or Axelar is one you might have heard a lot. Yeah, Axelar. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, but that's a really good question. Technique. I'm, I'm definitely glad you asked that. Does that clear that up a bit? Um. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, a little bit. Uh, I'll jump in and and use it. The the. Uh, yeah, uh, I'll I'll jump in and, and use it and see what's going on. Like a fully functional, well fully functional a copy of ethereum is like this whole pulse chain fiasco which is a whole nother that's what all these chains are they're all copies of ethereum uh, no so no 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 Zephy's very literal no no, pulse, <laughs> no pulse is pulse. literally a copy it's like you it's a copy copy like one-to-one all the tokens that's all why... the addresses it's okay a- okay Okay, but ignore not pulse chain. That's not anything to be yeah, don't even... taking up space in your mind. <laughs> yeah, don't. Exactly. It's garbage. Just, just um, ignore that. But, yeah, but Technique, we're happy to like clarify a little more. Are you still kind of foggy on Evmos as like, how it fits in? Yeah, so a little bit, right? So I, I, because I fully understand the concept of the, the, the that you can port. It runs Solidity and, and at least I'm I'm assuming because we uh, we have a very similar thing on Cardano called Milkometer that launched maybe two months ago, and it is an Ethereum sidechain, uh, and it runs the EVM, and it basically, you know, you can wrap assets and over so the are- smart chain now, and and I was assuming Evmos kind of was the same thing. So the difference in that example would be like we're not a side chain it's its own standalone evmos is as independent and sovereign and like standalone a chain as bitcoin is or ethereum i get that no i i 100 percent get that 100 percent get that i was just uh wondering about um so for example if i'm on binance smart chain right and uh 
do, do any of you guys use uh, the multi-chain bridge or like seller bridge where you, you can bridge over to Polygon or, or Avalanche or uh, any of those? I've used it once place. Yep. Right. So you can take, uh, will you be able to take something from Binance Smart Chain and then just go through multi-chain or something like that and move it over to Evmos? Yeah, while if, someone, if someone connects while, it, yeah. Yeah, while it's possible yeah. that bridges could end up existing, the question you're going to have to ask yourself is, like, why, what in the world would you do with those bring, assets on that why, chain, right? Yeah, why do you want to bring those on to Evmos? Yeah, that's, oh, like, I totally I get you on that, that level. I totally well, get like, you on that level. I'm just looking for the nice farming reward. Gotcha, yep. And so, Steffi, for your question of, like, I can't imagine, like, who the user bases there's two answers one people like technic here are just looking for like a farming reward and hopefully are prepared for a little risk right like you're just chasing you know this is like a interesting play um but then two the hope would be that users once passionate and plentiful solidity devs come over and build something cool on evmos that we don't have in the rest of the cosmos yet while we wait for it to get built on a Cosmosm chain. So that's the answer for like who might use Evmos. And if you think of how much is going on in Ethereum and the Solidity world, that process could be like a couple years. There could be a couple years of Evmos being really important, but many, like five, 10 years, um, as we like kind of slowly cycle people over and cool new things are built here by people who first had the idea when they were working on Ethereum, but wanted a better platform. And then slowly over time, it trickles to the kind of question you had in your mind, Sefi, as well as myself of just like, what role does it serve super long-term? Like if Cosmosm is just better, what's the point of utmost? And I think it's just, like you said, kind of a gateway drug and a transitionary guide, really. Jimmy? Yep. Uh, a couple questions Yo. for you. <laughs> hey, how's it going, man? A um, couple questions for you. One, do you know anybody that was like diehard ETH that came over to the Cosmos? And two, is there any Evmos rewards readily available for those kind of people? Do I know anyone who did it because of the Rex drop? No, just in general. Uh, no, no one really comes to mind. Do you know, do you know if I, uh, can I get those? Like, is it still rewarding the ETH, uh, ETH people, or is hey, it uh, mainly? DJN, just send me your seed phrase, man. Just send me your seed <laughs> phrase. No, I'll I, take I, care of it for you, bro. I'll take <laughs> care of it for you, man. Wait, say the first part of that is who's still rewarding? Because um, I remember, I, I know they said they're, I don't think they're rewarding Adam stakers anymore, but are they still rewarding people with uh, ETH gas fees? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you ever do anything on, on Uniswap? Did you ever do anything over there? I can. Wait, wait, I wait, can... wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. You're talking about Evmos Degenerate? Yeah, yeah did, they, did they do the airdrop already? Uh, I have not claimed any. I don't know if I misunderstood what you just said or if you have bad info, but. I only have any Evmos because I'm an Adam staker. Oh, I, Not, I thought they said that they were no longer doing. I don't know if it's Adam or Juno, but maybe I read it wrong. You're thinking of Raw. You're thinking of Raw. Oh, okay. Raw airdrop for Juno swap. I think they started. They decided to uh, not include Adam stakers. Okay, but did the Evmos did the Evmos airdrop happen? Like it happened today or yesterday or something? So kind of like 
tomorrow you'll be able to claim your rewards, but you can see them now. But it's also, there are some inaccuracies, so we're not totally sure. Tomorrow we'll have answers. But if you go to, uh, what was it, like, app. Oh, what was it? <laughs> if you go to their site, you know, just uh, app.app.org. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the pins up top. Yep. Um, then you'll see, like, you can see your claimable amount, even if you can't claim it yet. And So it is live. The network's up and running, I think, tomorrow. Um, stuff starts kind of kicking into play. Okay, sweet. Yeah, hopefully they rebalanced it a bit. I remember when I was talking to Tricky the first time they did the uh, the Evmos, and you could see your uh, rewards, and you guys got like 600 tokens for staking, and then I got like 60 tokens for like spending yeah. $7,000 in gas fees. <laughs> and I mean, I guess, I guess if you think about no, you know why that makes sense? Like, I thought about this before after you brought it up. Because think of how many, how much total USD value in fees has been spent on Ethereum. It's a pretty diluted pool. It's a way bigger pool than the amount of people staking at them. <laughs> and that's, that's partly why they're doing this rec drop. That's partly, I mean, aside from trying to get some of those well no no but Dijen's point was like that it's very very small for ETH people it's not actually that appealing right saying that's because <laughs> yeah so many people got wrecked so fucking hard that even this one project Evmos trying to give back could never have the market cap to like be able to give enough Genesis supply coins to actually yeah. like make a dent in the amount. Yeah, got it. Yeah, Ethereum is burned hey, through. I, yeah, I think sure in, in six months of just NFT trading on ETH, I spent two ETH in gas fees. So oh, that's tough. But <laughs> yeah. hey, I wanna I wanna get some of the people with the hands up because you guys have been super patient. Um, C three, I think you were here first, and then we'll hop to you, Lazul, Lazuli. But C three, go ahead. Yeah, I had a question. Um, should I import my ETH address into MetaMask to try to claim that, or is it worth that? <laughs> or is that even possible? Like an ETH address you've used before and like spent gas on? or Yeah, exactly, because I didn't really use MetaMask for that kind of stuff, so should I even bother yeah. importing it? and? I mean, what's your estimation of how much gas you spent? Because, like, Dejan, what you said, how much was your gas fee roughly? About, uh, about two ETH, so probably like, uh, yeah, I've spent probably like whatever that is, six, seven thousand dollars in gas in transaction fees. <laughs> and you got like sixty of most. Yeah, sixty tokens, I think. I I, I can recheck it. It's Go you check it well- now, Dejan. Check it now. You might as well worth it's worth checking uh, C three thousand if if you're interested. Um, did you have a question as far as uh, redelegating to validators? Yeah, I was asking earlier. I forgot if there was an actual unbonding period to change validators. You, you no, can redelegate, right? Yeah, right. if I move, yeah, just move my delegation. You can do that in an instant with no loss of staking rewards and no, nothing. The only thing is you can't redelegate again to another validator for a set period of time. I think it's oh, that's fine. Chain, but yeah, Sweet. but you can I'm even do it on the I'm gonna take some stuff over to Cosmos Spaces. <laughs> hey, everybody should uh, follow the the smart man up here on stage. 
Yeah. Anyone, we were talking about revalidating and it helps to keep the chain. uh, It it helps decentralization. So if anyone is considering uh, redelegating, you can, whether you're using Kepler or Cosmos Station, you can click um, on on your validator, click redelegate. You're not unbonding just yep. through through the magic of, of blockchain. It will just transfer your tokens to a different validator and you don't lose any um, staking rewards. And Cosmos yeah, I did, Faces. I did this a couple of weeks ago. Cosmos Faces is also on restake.app. So if you want to auto compound your rewards, yeah. Aren't they doing? Hey, aren't wait, they doing the? Uh, on, guys, the, repeat. Repeat what you just said. I auto compound how? Okay. Yeah, I was say, Sefi, are you, are you using restate? So, Sefi, this is for Luna too. This is going to blow your mind. And I'm not talking stater. I'm not. I'm talking just like normal in your wallet Terra Station staking, but just auto compounded. R e s t a k e dot a p p restake dot app. Was that you who just asked that, Sophie? Yeah. And so yeah. what happens with my Adam and with my Luna doing this? You so have to authorize it, a, right? You so authorize. Yeah, yeah, but I heard this doesn't work with Ledger. Just saying. It does now, like I'm pretty it. sure. Yeah. Oh, it does? Really? Yeah, they, they, they're they, working hard on this. This gets updated often. Like, EcoStake is awesome. Um, but so, Sefi, so what happens is in one of the latest, or not too recently at this point, but one of the Cosmos upgrades for the SDK came with something called the Auth Z module, Auth like authorization, which lets you grant like very specific permission to certain other addresses and stuff. So what you can do is you can give your validator the address that like their validator holds, the on-chain address, permission to claim your rewards, only the ones staked with them, and to restake them with themselves and nothing else. And you can give just those permissions and they pay the fees. And I can do this with, uh, so I could use like the Atom I have in Cosmospaces validator. Yes. I can do this with restake.app. Yep. And if you're already delegated to a validator that supports restake, when you go on the website, they'll just be like a little enable button where you'll basically have to give that authorization and then I think turn it on. Now, without getting too far into the weeds here, um, yeah. does uh, is this possible with Akash? This is built on Akash. Yep, bottom they, left corner. No, no. So they just oh. enabled Akash actually, like today. Yeah, Akash chain, like staking. Yeah, the so on Akash. Yep. So yep. that one I can also uh, sort of auto restake. So the only requirement is having that auth Z module. So as chains slowly upgrade over time, they'll all have that. The only ones that don't at this point are like not many. Yeah. So it, it's auto compounding for you and they're, they're paying the fee. So like eventually yep. you're going to save a fraction of a fraction of a nickel. But the there's great also, thing is auto theoretical tax efficiency. If exactly. You, if you report all these wallets. I was going to say, it's a weird little gray area, but technically the bot is the custodian, so you're not doing any of the taxable events. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Wow. But what is it What is it writing on chain, though? Is it writing a claim and a stake, or is it like doing it in the background? It's yeah. on chain. And reaction. So like you're giving, what the Odyssey protocol does is you're giving like a bot and the protocol like authorization to claim your rewards and then restake your rewards. 
Um, so it'll it's look actual normal, transactions happening, but it's not there. you doing it. Oh, it looks normal. So how many transactions is it like once a day or what's it doing? Once a yeah, day. I, it depends I, I on what validator checked. Every session, validator can pick. Once a day. Every validator has two parameters they can pick, actually, and they're totally custom. They can do how often they restake. Some do it like every minute for some chains. Some do it, most do it like once a day and anywhere in between. And then the second parameter is the minimum amount of rewards you have to be claiming for them to actually go through with it. So if you yeah, kind of just checked, you can't use Ledger. Doesn't work for Ledger. Sure? Yeah, I'm on it right now because mine, mine work. I have a Ledger under mine. It says Ledger devices are not supported in the restake UI currently. Support will be added as soon as possible. Oh, when you click the Ledger tab, it just that's what it says. No, just accessing the app, I get an alert. So let me open it up. I mean, if you're a coder, know how to mess with the uh, CLI, you can do it that way. But right now, there's no ledger support. So the let me back to the auto compounding. Sefi, you're saying there's tax. Wait, wait, wait. You don't necessarily need to be a coder, but yeah, they have a CLI tool and guide. If you click the ledger instructions, did you click that part? Drake? Yeah, it, it takes you to the GitHub and it allows you to go through this junk. I, I don't have a CLI and I, I don't like installing junk on my computer. So. Yeah, no, I feel you. I feel you. But yeah, that, that's one way you can do it. I, I just don't. I refuse to install stuff on my computer. It's not worth it. <laughs> 100% agree. Hey, yeah, um, speaking. Uh, wait, I'm gonna, I want to I wanna get Lazuli in here. It's just been so patient. Gotcha. Yeah, just real quick. I don't know if I misunderstood you. Uh, if you said that um, Evmos is not a bridge or does not have a bridge, but they're partnered with Nomad. Right. So Nomad's a bridge. Yeah. And like Evmos has bridges, but there is no Evmos bridge. That's what I meant. I should have clarified again. Like Evmos will, you can use bridges to bring assets onto Evmos, but Evmos itself isn't a bridge, is all I meant. But and, yeah, like, no and matter. having a bridge isn't enough too. You'd have to have liquidity providers to have the ability to exchange whatever you're bridging. Also, remember, so there's that element. Yeah. I was I was gonna ask. You said you're speaking about a kosh earlier, and I see you posting about it all the time. What what is a kosh? Do you know what Amazon Web Services? Amazon Web Services. Yeah, it sounds AWS. So, like, every now and then you'll see AWS is like cloud computing. It's like servers and um, compute power that run the backbone of the Internet. Like a lot of sites, a lot of apps, a lot of services, etc. And uh, on Ethereum, well, technically one of their side chains, um, like an L2, but um, DYDX, are you familiar with them? Yeah, they like rat. Don't they do like rat stuff or something like that? Yeah, they're like leverage trading on like a side chain. But they had so they're leverage trading, which means people can get liquidated, right? Um, their D app that they built on chain that was all decentralized was only accessible through their front end website that ran on Amazon Web Services. Those AWS servers went down for a while. People could not access their like leverage margin positions and got liquidated because, you know, short of learning how to spin up a CLI for 
I think it's on Arbitrum. Like it's on one of the weirder L2s. Um, it's just a massive point of failure, right? And there's other times I'll just see like you'll see Twitter kind of erupt in uh, a group rage because multiple websites will be down at once, sometimes including Twitter. If you ever use the website Down Detector, uh, whenever something's like being buggy for you, go to Down Detector and type in the name of that website. It'll tell you if there's like reported outages and that website being down. And sometimes you'll just see all these popular sites like Steam, Origin, Netflix, Hulu, uh, Adobe, all these things like all down at once. And it's because they all use Amazon Web Services and every now and then something goes wrong. Akash is just the decentralized version of that. And I just went on that long ramble to kind of frame how important and amazing Akash is. If Akash succeeds and it's like a good blockchain like Ethereum or any other, it never stops running. It never stops computing. It never stops being the backbone of the Web3 Internet. Like Akash is fucking awesome. That's my spiel. Might need to pick up a bag of Akash, I guess. Uh, well, and uh, the way simply Akash, well, simply, uh, the way it works is normally when you do a cloud deployment, um, so let's say you have an mm, application of some kind, let's say a um, PVX phone service of some kind, let's say, and you normally go on to like AWS, uh, Google Cloud, Microsoft Cloud, Azure, whatever, you know, um, you would basically deploy that with one of, two very commonly used deployments. One is a Kubernetes cluster, which is what, and the Kubernetes based, like, um, it's like, imagine putting your application into a box that can be recognized by servers and deployed on a cloud. And um, the Kubernetes box is just one way to do these things. And the other way would be a Docker container. So um, Akash works on, with the Kubernetes, um, what's called Kubernetes clusters and then um, uh, Flux Network which is on um, which is own thing it's like sort of a competitor to Akash that works on uh, Docker so um, each of them have like different tech and different ways they work but as far as I know the blockchain piece of Akash is mainly just how the um, like network uh, is run from a financial standpoint. So you're not, you don't have like cloud running on Akash as far as the like blockchain is concerned. The blockchain just for the financial transactions to pay for cloud services. So if you have a website you want to deploy, you get yourself some Akash tokens, you um, assign a wallet uh, that has these tokens to the payment of this thing, and then you deploy on an Akash system with Kubernetes. The other thing you can do is you can actually run like an Akash um, what node or whatever you want to call it. Like you can run a server and you can get paid in Akash tokens for providing that. So that's how that works. Um, and uh, so it's that and Flux are basically sort of competitors uh, at some level. I like it. You guys <laughs> you guys always know your shit about seems like every blockchain. So uh, yeah, enjoy it. Also, uh, you were talking about Thor, Thor swap earlier, and I, I definitely have a, a little chunk of Thor uh, or uh, Rune, I guess. Um, how do you think that's going to work? Because aren't all of the liquidity pools um, paying out in Rune, which would just inflate it to no other? Or am I mistaken with that? I mean, Osmo pools 
or all osmosis pools are all paying out in Osmo, right? Like that is, I yeah, I mean, but osmosis also has other pools that don't pay out in in osmosis, and I, I think there's yeah. yeah. I definitely don't know. I don't know the tokenomics behind Thor. If anyone else, uh, I don't recall exactly. I think no, you're paid actually in the base coins that you're deploying. I believe so. If you're yeah, if you're yeah, in a so rune, if you're in a yeah, rune, so some of the uh, incentives are in rune. Um, that's where the incentives come from. But you're also getting paid to swap these. So Thor swap is um, a little bit interesting. Uh, how it works. Is it the smaller the pool, um, it operates with dynamic swap fees. So if there's low liquidity in the pool and there's a large trade, the fees juice. So like, let's say, for example, the pool only has $1,000 in TVL and someone tries to swap 50% of the pool, like $500. Those fees are going to be astronomical. They'll be like 10, 15% on that swap. Obviously not that high. It'll probably be like 10%. But still, that's an exaggeration. But those fees will go to compensate for that. And then also there are liquidity incentives in the rune token itself. Now, as for the rune tokenomics, um, it's kind of interesting how it works. It has a $1, like if you deposit $1, it actually juices the rune market cap by $3. This has to do with the rune tokenomics. So the reason being is the node operators, they must secure the network and they must be two times the value of liquidity that's in the pools. So if there is $1 in liquidity in the pools, the nodes must have $2 locked up and bonded in their rune node. So as more people are depositing into these rune pools, this is going to juice the rune price because on the other side, if they're all paired 50-50. So um, one side could be 50% Bitcoin and then the other side will be 50% rune or it could be Litecoin, Ethereum, whatever. It's an Omni pool. So every single token has to be paired equally with the rune token. So that's your first dollar. So if I deposit $1 in Bitcoin, I now have to have $1 worth of room. Now these nodes on the other side, they must go buy $2 worth of room because the only token they can use to bond to secure the network is the room token itself. So you're juicing the price of the room token in theory. And even though the rewards are being paid out, it doesn't matter because as more people are going to deposit or when they do, the nodes have to be the backstop and they're having to buy this room token in order for, for it to keep going. Yes, of course, the flywheel does go both ways, but in theory, not in theory, um, this is by default, like how this uh, system is made, the exact lowest that it can go is $1 to $3. So three times the value in the pools. So if there's a million dollars in the pool, the lowest price or the lowest the price or the lowest the rune price can go is $3 million in market cap. And there's a maximum supply of 500 million rune tokens. So if you're looking at how the flywheel works, as more people deposit, this is gonna juice the price of rune. And the APRs are paid out in rune, so this also juices the APRs. And what happens when APRs juice? People chase APRs, so they deposit. What happens when you deposit into ThorChain? It juices the rune price due to the tokenomics that it has. And when that happens, it repeats the flywheel. So but, that's but if, a little bit about Thorchain. And then if there's sorry, if there's the if there's a max supply, then uh, what happens to all the reward pools? Because obviously everything still has to be in a pool for the Thorchain swaps to work. 
Um, so what happens once supply caps out? So in theory, once it gets a large enough TV, TVL, it'll try to function with the APRs based on the um, swap fees. So there's still a lot to uh, emit. Not a lot, but like it's like 300 million out of 500 million or 250 out of 500 or something like that. But um, yeah, that, that's just bootstrapping. So a lot of a lot of what these DEXs do in order to get liquidity, they bootstrap in emit tokens. And then once they get deep liquidity, it kind of pays for itself. Um, you're you're starting to see this with Curve uh, Protocol. Um, their emissions uh, will be ending not soon, but like you know what I mean. Um, they're going to be ending soon enough, like as in a year or two. But when those same thing with Convex. Um, but when those emissions end. The theory is like with Convex, you're going to want to uh, have that be incentivized by the boosted APRs, people depositing and bribes and whatnot. And the same thing with Curve. Curve is wanting or going to be functioning off of bribes. And then it's also going to be functioning off of, well, people are depositing into here because, well, that's where most of the liquidity is at. And where the most liquidity is at is where the most traders are. So that brings the most fees. The goal of these DEXs is to create a protocol to where the fees are high enough to where you don't have to pay the people to deposit. You want people to depositing and being comfortable with the fees they're making without having to incentivize them. So organic incentives are the whole goal of the DEX. I mean, Sepi was kind of talking about it with um, Nebula. Uh, that's like the cat's meow right there having just arbitrage and having that pay for the APR. Because if you don't have to emit tokens and dilute, you don't have the issue of inflation, which is the life and death of these things. If no one else was going to follow, I wanted to, since we were talking about Rome, I wanted to ask uh, everyone, uh, if what are there any, a list of like protocols that had the user experience was just so amazing that, you know, it persuaded you to possibly invest and like what I mean is like like I was I was really into Solana because it made me a good bit of money, so I was emotionally tied. But when I found Luna, and I was just exploring the ecosystem, it's just such a great experience that I just I started investing before I even researched it. And the same, I felt the same way about using um, ThorSwap as well, and like ThorChain. It, that experience is just insane. The fact that you can connect multiple wallets to that, and uh, you know, for for your for your experience. So I was just curious, are there any other protocols out right now or any other chains that have just impressed you all so much off user experience alone? The other, it, it's not them. a chain, but um, what you might really enjoy uh, using is Rango. Have you tried it? Yeah, oh, I haven't. Such a cool piece of tech. <laughs> okay. For a multi-chain hopper, or however they market it. Noted. Thank you. Yeah, are you else? familiar at all? You're no, not. I haven't. I, I, I feel like I've seen Wrangle on my timeline once, but I haven't looked into it at all. Yeah, great, great thought there, Sethi. So Wrangle was built. Yeah, Wrangle was built um, using the Thor swap Thor chain background, and it basically allow routes uh, your buys and sells across like multiple um, chains. Uh, gets you sort of like the best deal and, you know, gets you from one coin to the other really quickly. Um, 
And uh, it, it's a really interesting uh, just utility, I would say. And it's it's going to be even more interesting when you start incorporating that into like wallets and things like XDeFi and whatever. Uh, because then you're going to be able to like jump between um, really just different chains of assets if you choose to do so. Um, now, the only reason I don't use that much of most of these various functions, I think they're really cool, but why I don't really use a lot of different functions on a lot of chains is like personally, I find like 99% of what I want to do, I can already do on Terra. So like that's the only reason I don't bounce around. <laughs> But um, there are a lot of cool things being built all over the place, especially for people who are chain hoppers. Um, I think the most obvious group of people who will jump from chain to chain a lot are going to be like uh, people that are NFT shopping in particular, right? Because you're not going to those places necessarily for the DeFi experience. You might be going there because you like the art on certain uh, certain chains or certain projects, right? Right, right. Makes sense. Right. NFT people are all in it for the art. <laughs> or whatever, right? Or the speculation no, art, yeah. whatever, whatever it may be. <laughs> I tease, I tease, but yeah. yeah. But there, but there's more likely a reason to hop around, right? Because, like, imagine if you had a similar, uh, like, DeFi experience uh, or protocol on one chain, you may not jump to the next and the next, unless you legit are just an LP provider and just farming wherever, right? Like, I, I can understand that. Yeah, I'd, I'd say with Luna, I just pretty much stuck. I mean, I I'd still bleed into the cosmos, but once I got over to like IBC and Luna, it was pretty much game over for me. I had my toes dipped in Solana and, and definitely heavy in ETH and instantly well, pulled everything out. <laughs> lately, one of the reasons um, no I haven't been jumping around too much is because um, there are particularly – uh, very important projects coming out on Terra itself. Um, the tokenomics, uh, if you release something on Terra, it's got to be pretty damn good because like the Terra community is just ultra critical about token economic design because Luna is so good. So if you come and just jack around on Terra, like no one's going to buy your shit. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> so I think that um, makes a sort of like vetting process um, where it makes a uh, protocol maybe th hopefully think twice. And as a result, you're getting some half decent uh, token revisions and almost every protocol on Terra whose tokenomics are not perfect are working on ways to make them substantially better and more investor friendly. And as a result, you're noticing that a lot of like the Terra alts have been going up and the last several months, we've had an opportunity to like, you know, grab quite a few of these quite cheap. And that's another reason why I haven't been jumping around for the last few months. I'm, I'm really glad well, you explained that because I, I had been, that was a question of mine I had for a while because, you know, if you've ever played around on Binance and all, you know, so many Ponzi's and scams over there, and then you come over to Terra, like you were saying, the standard on that protocol on that chain is just insanely high. It's like, and I was just, I was just curious, like how, how Doe created that culture on his chain and just, you know, I was, you know, it, it intrigues me to see, I, I'm, I expect other chains coming out later to try. And yeah. Some, somehow he was able to attract like some kind of higher level sort of intelligentsia and a lot of, uh, maybe like serious VC money, like whether it was Delphi, um, 
incubator projects, whether it was like GT Capital, whether it was like Jump. Um, and then if you notice like the big Luna sale when they tried to buy, when they went to buy a bunch of Bitcoin for LFG back in, uh, what month was it? Maybe, I forget, like in the last few months. Um, then like Three Arrows Capital and a whole bunch of other big boys like um, Arrington and whatnot. A lot of people went and um, bought Luna at that time. And then there's also, of course, Galaxy Digital was an early investor. So a lot of the people that sort of bought into Terra are more the more serious, more longer term vision crowd, not so much the short term pump and dump VCs also that helped the price too. Whereas on Solana, you had some serious pumping and dumping of a lot of projects. Um, which was really quite miserable. And then Binance chain was just, for some reason, it was like international scam central for some reason. Well, Binance why. chain, I think, is like a little even more explainable. Like a good developer can look at what Binance chain is, how it is literally a neglected, worse, like more centralized version of a Cosmos chain. And just why would you build on that when there's so many other options? So just by that merit, but them also being big with the name of Binance and obviously going to have a popular chain, it just kind of statistically, most of the people building on it are going to be in it for the short-term scam and rug pull and casino. (laughs) Yeah, it was a very strange thing. But yeah, there was this weird, like, um, also because you had to get do Rust first, I think that created a gateway Mm -hmm. for... Um, maybe more serious developers originally, and you couldn't just port over some sort of like uh, previous EVM compatible scam uh, project and just change the graphics and then like just dump it on there, right? You had to sort of start from scratch, which I think created a little bit of like a, like a barrier, but I think that barrier won't last. Like you'll have a bunch of scams coming soon enough. Don't worry. <laughs> did, did you see, uh, speaking of Terra alts, that the Astro booster, like they're, they're kind of, uh, thing with, what is it? Orion or, or uh, yeah. Orion. Money. Yeah. There's, I think like five, now there's five, um, I guess companies for lack of a better word, five protocols that have decided to join in the like Astro uh, war, so to speak, sort of like the curve war. And that's, uh, yeah, Orion announced something lately, Orion money. Um, The second one was, um, and Orion's actually a Delphi project too, if I'm not mistaken, but whatever. Anyway, Orion money, uh, there's retrograde, there's reactor. Um, Apollo Dow is acquiring some Apollo token, and then White Whale also announced that they're going to be involved. So that's good. You want at least five or plus protocols who are acquiring Astro tokens. So it's not like one, you know, like one monopoly. Which of these groups is going to like take over? I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly. I I saw with Orion that they're like doing some crazy boosted liquidity pools or something, but then you can also like stake in your nfts and like get even more of a boost and you can also like borrow off your terra nfts now too yeah i saw someone was it you maybe that posted about that and i uh i guess my question on that one is okay how do we make money on this <laughs> so if you have astro token and you know do you like do you do something special on orion because now it's like everyone's trying to figure out hey i have orion i mean i'm sorry i have astroport tokens um, how can I best utilize these to 
you know, make a better yield than the already great staking yield. And then you're like trying to sort out what to do. And I don't know. I'm not sure. I haven't figured out. Like, I'm sort of like, I'm just going to leave my Astro tokens where they are until I figure out what the fuck to do with these things. <laughs> yeah. I like, I briefly kind of scanned through that. They had like a, a six or seven page thread on like all the different things you'll have to, you can do to like boost your yield on, on Astro with this new Astro booster. But I mean, I don't know if I can stake some of my NFTs to boost my Astro yield. I'm good with it. <laughs> yeah, because like uh, it's one thing to vote for um, like diversion of more yield into some sort of pool. Um, to me, it's like, how am I going to use Astro to, to divert more uh, APY into my own pools that I already have. <laughs> that's my question. Like, is this something that's useful on an individual basis or do I need to be in one of these like, uh, retrograde or one of these projects where you're like giving up your Astro to these people and then you now get the benefits somehow. I, I, I haven't fully wrapped my head around, is it possible to get benefits just individually if you don't give your Astro to anybody? And I don't know who can answer that question. I'm not sure what the answer is. I feel like Danku, Danku had, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, Danku or Danku, but um, yeah, yeah he, he, he probably knows. Yeah, yeah, exactly. His thread, the Astro Wars is all over my timeline, but it was so complicated and he simplified it most in my opinion. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, I'm going to have to dive into like the DeFi side of things, but I mean, if I can uh, put up NFTs as collateral now and then buy more Luna, uh, I think that might be a, a route to go. <laughs> You're going to go ape into some more NFTs or is that like a specific Orion NFT they're talking about? No, no, no. It's uh, they partnered with like multiple of the, the bigger NFTs on Terra. So like the crypto uh, crypto punks and like the Hellcats and a couple other ones you can like put them into Orion. I, I think it's, I don't think it's launched yet. I think it's like in a couple weeks, but you can pop them into Orion and they like track the floor prices for collateral. Huh. Interesting. And how, but what does this have to do with Astro then? Well, that, that's a, I think that's a separate thing. Um, but, uh, cause you can either stake your, stake your NFTs, the same, like same thing, same projects, and you get like a boost with Astro, with your Astro yield, I guess, when it's in Orion. Um, but if you, if you just put them in, you can borrow them, like use them as collateral and borrow off of them and get like UST, like how you would use Luna as collateral. Oh. Is that the little degenerate I hear? <laughs> I'm going to get my Luna and my NFTs liquidated now. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I guess more on like the, the Terra and UST domination. Uh, so like, you know, like how the product, how we got like Nebula basically allowing us to have like almost like indices and and then we have vertex protocol coming out to bring like forex over um are there any other protocols that you all know that are uh i'm, I'm not sure i'm at a loss of words exactly but things that because i really believe like usd if if we want to really decentralize and get away from traditional finance what are other aspects of you know just the financial market that are coming over to the Terra protocol that that can be major. I still think that one of the biggest ones and one of my most favorite possible vehicles is going to be Nebula. 
I, I'm actually hoping that Nebula is like the end all be all, and I don't have to do anything anymore. <laughs> like I just park my shit there, and then number go up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you're like multiple rebalancing of liquid staked assets, it's like it's hard to beat that. You're getting all your staking rewards, plus you're getting like auto traded rewards with you know minimal to any like fees. So you're getting like imagine you're essentially getting all your staking rewards plus. Uh, the benefits of counter trading the price volatility of those assets. I just can't imagine a whole lot better than that. Not to mention the basket of assets being terror protocols like prison. Exactly. Exactly. It's not it's not like a bunch of shit protocols. So it's like good coins like Astro and Prism and this and that. Right. Which are probably at near bottoms anyway, right? For the next five years. So the reality is is that like you're getting stuff that's at least from our perspective at this moment are at decent prices, right? Before they have gone crazy over years. So we're getting it not only early, but we're getting like more of them because of their, their, the trading behavior in the nebula cluster. And you're getting liquid staked. Um, like, I don't know. It's like what, like that seems to me like uh, as a multi-year thing, like such a clean possible sort of investment thesis to where it's like i don't even know how much more DeFi shit i really need at that point like that's it's like a fire problem. and forget yeah it's like the yeah. holy grail of fire and forget right like what else do you want at that point and so speaking of that like i felt that same way about prism when i found it i thought that was almost too good to be true like even like i don't think i'll ever unstake my prism unless, the token's like, pretty damn awesome <laughs> Right. I mean, think like, about it. Like the amps and stuff is insane. And think about like the amount of amps you will accumulate over time if you never unstake your prism. Yeah, I just no. I'm getting I'm getting crazy yield off my Y Luna for starters, and then I'm taking that prism token, and it's always off peg from X prism. So I'm getting an extra like four percent every single time I'm claiming swapping. And then, like, on top of that, the yield on the X-PRISM itself is crazy at, like, 15 to 20%. <laughs> so the value of X-PRISM compared to PRISM is just growing constantly. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just impressive. <laughs> that's and, that's and, all I can say. Yeah, not even mention the price action up. on PRISM. Right. You can tell everyone is staking it. And no one's, like, the price action is so stable and it's so early. Yeah, the staking rate's actually rising. I was noticing that today. It's actually started picking up again. How how does on Nebula like how does the rebalancing work like uh yeah do, like just from a kind of a high view do you yeah know? it's it's uh it's not it's not using an AMM to trade it what it's what's happening is is you so people that are using the protocol are going to be incentivized and I'm not sure exactly how to rebalance the actual pool so for example uh, let's say you're doing a pool where like there's a 1% rebalance, meaning like, let's say X prism goes up by 1%. Um, something in the protocol has to uh, have other people show up and add to the, um, so let's say your, your X prism value went up 1%. You're incentivizing people to add the other elements of that protocol. So for example, Let's say it's X Prism versus X Astro, and X Prism goes up by one percent. Then someone else has to come in and deposit X Astro, and I think you're incentivized by um, so so that pool has some sort of token, right? Like the Lust token is the 
Luna AUST pool. It's the first one that's going to open up. Great name. So let's, yeah, great name. And there needs to be like, there's no, uh, since it's called Nebula Clusters, I was joking earlier, we need to have the cluster fuck token too. Um, so, <laughs> so the fuck token, um, basically, <laughs> let's say it's X. Take what you wish for, Sophie. Yeah, exactly. Let's say it's the X, X Astro plus, uh, let's say it's X Astro plus X Prism. So, um, Okay, so let's say the price of X Astro went up by 1%, and now you're incentivized to um, deploy X Prism on one side of the pool. So for doing so, you would get um, a gr- like more of the fuck token than had you just gone to buy the fuck token outright. <laughs> so um, it's like the, you, you're discounted for performing the rebalancing function, I think, something like that. So don't, I mean, I don't know for sure that's what it is, but I think it's something like that. And the reason why this is interesting is because like, since there's no actual like trading technically going on, the, the rebalancing is performed by the people adding or subtracting from the protocol that, um, makes the fees structure super, super low. So you're not paying like 0.3% AMM swap fees like a like a rebalancer would normally have, like a KuCoin or something. So yeah, there's some kind of like interesting incentive module to make it work. And um, anyway, so yeah, that's that's the idea. I think you're you're incentivized whenever something's off balance and it's not meeting the protocol uh, goals that you'll be incentivized to either, I guess, remove or add, and you'll get like an ARB of an increased amount of that pool token or decreased amount or whatever, a cheaper price to buy it, depending on what you're doing. So there's some sort of fun to be had also with playing the uh, ARBs on that. Um, But that might end up being done by external bots mostly, is what I'm guessing. Because they're going to be, you're going to be incentivized to run bots to take care of this, and someone's going to do it. And uh, all you'll have to do is hold like the lust token or whatever the name of the token is of that vault, and the token's going to keep going up in value. I, is how I believe it works. Does that make sense? It's sort of like a smart contract token. So like AUST, it'll just start going up in value as the the like system accrues um, rebalance or value or whatever. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I'm excited. Yeah. Wasn't on yeah. my radar before tonight. I was going to say, I feel like you and Lucky kind of just like find these like protocols and these different ways to make like little bits of money here and there. And you just say like, screw it. I'm going to take a small portion of my portfolio and just see how it goes. <laughs> well, with, with net, like I've been asking for these like liquid stake rebalancer bots for a long time. And someone said, hey, look, uh, I think what you're looking for is Nebula Protocol. It's going to do something like that. And I don't know how efficient it's going to be. And, like, is it going to be as, like, uh, I'm hoping that it, it provides, like, crazy APYs ultimately for if it is what I think it is. Um, so we'll see what happens. I, I'm, I'm still, uh, I'll reserve judgment until it actually happens. <laughs> we'll see. I, I saw that uh oh I can't think of the name of the protocol, the one that like auto repays your loans off, like you take loans off against your future yield. Kinetic. Yeah, kinetic. kinetic. Yeah. But how does what I'm confused about is it says like you're paying your loan back at the exact same rate that 
um, like that that anchor would give you uh, APY for. Like it's like how does it keep it? How does it guarantee it for the whole time? Well, yeah, I mean, I know it'll probably it doesn't. Yeah, it will fluctuate. But if if they're repaying your loan off at the exact same rate that Anchor Protocol is giving rewards out, like where's no, they're taking a fee. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. But not only that, but if the rewards go down, your 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 like collateral will be stuck longer. Yeah, I feel like, and, and it's it's like you're you're locking up UST just to borrow UST off of your UST. So like, it's a yeah, kind of a that, weird concept. That part doesn't seem interesting to me. Kinetic seems interesting when they have uh, K Luna, where you can actually get a you can get your future yield off your Luna, right? Imagine taking the future yield off your Luna, borrowing that now, and then going and buying more Luna uh, now. So you basically get a leveraged play off your future yield. That would be impressive, right? And it's pretty, yeah, it's in a way risk-free, at least as far as like a leverage without the risk of liquidation. Yeah, it's a liquidation-free uh, yeah, borrows exposure, right? Yeah, yeah, that's something to be excited about. I mean, when I looked into it, all I saw was the UST, and I was like, "What's the point of like your UST is just going to actually go down in value over time?" So you just sit. But, but more importantly, if you think about what Nebula and uh, Kinetic do, is they cause a lot of uh, Luna to get locked up. They get people. It gets people to uh, buy more Luna it gets people to sort of like, you know, it's like a semi-staked position almost, right? Like you're just stuck there. So it reduces selling pressure. And then on top of that, if you look at like what Nebula does, if people are like arbing different coins and shit to kind of like make this thing work, it creates a bunch of trading activity, which then brings back value to like the Prism protocol or any other protocols like underneath all this shit, right? Well, so okay. then, like, here you are, the Astro token holder, and all these idiots that are, like, arbing whatever on Nebula are making you money because it's, like, causing transactional fees for your Astro token. So, like, no matter how you look at it, like, they're, the protocols are sort of complementary, and they add value to the Luna staker because every transaction on the network gives you yield to Luna, right? So it's, like, this interesting feedback loop of, um, like... Uh, compatible protocols, which is awesome. Yeah, I was gonna say even Anchor like locks up your uh, Luna for collateral. Like I'm pretty much locked into Anchor right now until uh, things start going back up. Like 2025. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, th- that's that's kind of the feedback loop, like this virtuous cycle where hopefully each protocol that comes up essentially creates like a flywheel effect of more luna getting locked up so this like death spiral theory that keeps getting floated out in public assumes like that like people's luna is actually very liquid and a lot of people are using their luna so this idea that somehow like luna's price is gonna like just plummet to oblivion because ust does something i just don't think that's like it just doesn't look rational at all (laughs) so i i gotta ask too uh, so if uh like obviously let's say someone flips a little bearish and people are moving all their stuff to stable coin. It's burning a bunch of Luna. Um, but then once things start going, let's say we have like a crazy bull run. Um, wouldn't people then start moving their UST back into Luna, which would then mint a bunch more Luna and burn UST. 
I think people are more likely to swap their UST for Luna in an exchange than they are to actually use the mint mechanism. I don't think anyone knows how to use the mint mechanism, like except for <laughs> people that are this stuff. So I don't think that's a problem. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I just, yeah, that makes more sense. I assumed it's like an automated thing that once the market cap of uh, UST starts going down, it just automatically like burns the UST. Yeah, it, it's going to be super interesting to see what happens to the value of Luna as the market starts turning upward. Because Luna's doing pretty good, even when the market is where it is. But if the overall market, like the crypto space, kind of like just gets its wings, you know, in the next few months, you know how it is. It looks, everything looks bearish. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, DeFi summer shows up and then all hell breaks loose, right? So these things last for, these out of nowhere, it just sort of comes out of the blue and everyone's all of a sudden excited again. It, you know, how long, how many times have we been through this now? (laughs) Like, oh, yeah. I remember the last one where it's like everybody, it's like, oh, we slipped under resistance now, and this is happening, this is happening. Okay, we're going back down to 20K Bitcoin. I can promise you that it just, crypto will consistently do the exact opposite of what you would expect if you weren't thinking that far into it. It's it's crazy. Like when it's just going down and it's like, oh my God, it literally can't go any further. It's like, actually, yeah, probably can. It will rebound soon. And when it just keeps going crazy, like, this is insane. This, the top is that? No, that's probably the top. And, and then when everybody's like, oh, yeah, we're breaking way down from here. And everybody's like on the charts saying 20K Bitcoin and stuff like that. that that's and, that, you know, uh, and remember, that's not a coincidence. It's because like, you know, the market makers, just people with lots of money, general free hand of the market, everyone coming together when well and you got to think nowadays too like every influencer is on youtube telling like uh retail investors what's going to happen in the markets like smart money could literally just go look at those do the opposite yeah Yeah. exactly (laughs) all right guys the youtube crowd like it's yeah everything's going to zero right (laughs) there's two sides of the youtube crowd right it's everything (laughs) to infinity tonight or zero tomorrow Oh yeah, every every single day there's a new bullish divergence that's taken Bitcoin to 100k. <laughs> it's uh yeah, it's it's uh it's a funny space, but then the next day when it crashes more somehow they uh have an excuse for why they, why they were wrong. <laughs> yep. But all right guys, I think I'm going to shut this space down. I was going to do a short night tonight. Now we're 5 hours in, so that's what the cosmos will do to you. Hey, I appreciate it, man. I had to take care of the kid, and I'm like, "Fuck, I'm gonna miss this space with Cosmos guys." And then, baby's dude, down yeah, now, so hopped in. <laughs> but when we go this late, we do like at least we get some people who you know aren't able to see time zone wise or whatever earlier. So, I was gonna say one one last thing too. It's pretty crazy. Like, uh, I remember when I was doing spaces with you guys, and there's like ten people here, and now there's like such a blend of like Cosmos guys and Luna people, and like. It's pretty sick. <laughs> I'm I'm extremely impressed with the market recently at just the general continued community turnout, not just for these sessions, but just general engagement with stuff. Like, yeah, it's down a bit, market's down, but like n- not as much as I've seen in other ecosystems or in bear markets past or whatever. Like community stays strong. But all right, everybody. Um thank you. Thank you all for joining. Join us again uh, next week at 8 p.m. EST Wednesday. And then if you can't wait till then, 
we got a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday session. Check out Cosmos underscore spaces here on Twitter uh, for the best way to like stay up to date on everything. That's the best account to follow. And it also runs a validator now. Um, so check them out on Cosmos Hub and a couple other chains. Just keep an eye out for them. Uh, thank you for everyone who came up here. Tricky, Sefi, Dgen, Nitigo, C3, everybody who's been up here tonight. Um, let me get Tim up here in case you got a quick question down to answer something. Last minute request. Better be good, though. I just clicked accept and he's gone. All right. Going to shut it down. Um, everybody have a great night, morning, afternoon, wherever you are in the world. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was part two of the two-part Cosmonaut Bootcamp Q&A for Cosmos, recorded on Wednesday, April 27th, 2022. For Terraspaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Sneaking through back alleys on a little cosplay Broadway all day, looking like the wrong way Resuscitating major players in the waiting room Sifting through the paperwork while I be debating fools Breaking rules, breaking bad, like we always wait for doom Slayed a few in my early years, often hit the shroom Sitting in the dark, waiting for the daily news To let us know what we should believe as the latest truth Stay aloof, writing rhymes in the studio Trying to keep it well lit like filming a movie role Sorting through support from your endorsements Of course we're tripping balls, handing reports in the latest proof ain't a way to move, change the view Just a bunch of pack of heads living in a chicken coop Picking at the dinner, finger licking like the plate is good So kick it for a minute, then show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Big thinking energy always gets the best of me When I kick it in the lab, messing with new recipes Gotta mix and match, flip the latch, letting rhythm scratch Dope shit, spitting facts with my vision smash Big trip aristocrats, dishing out a list of trash Missing wisdom, this fish is too big to catch Better let the missus know where you hit the stash Watch your next step, bro, before you hit the traps Walking on eggshells, tripping over landmines And I'm about done dealing with these damn lies Man, I'm looking at this planet like a franchise Chastised into digging holes in the back nine the latest proof ain't a way to move, change the view Just a bunch of peck of heads living in a chicken coop Picking at the dinner finger, licking like the plate is good So kick it for a minute, then show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two